Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, we are in conversation with Ohio State basketball legend and the greatest towel waver in program history, the one and only Joey Lane. The Buckeye great breaks down what's been going on with Chris Holtman's team during their four-game losing streak that ended the regular season, and he projects what he thinks this team is capable of accomplishing in the postseason. Joey gives us his gut-feeling prediction for the Big Ten tournament happening this week, what the bare minimum expectations are for OSU in the Big Dance, and, perhaps most importantly, his favorite restaurants in his native Chicago. All right, without further ado, here's my conversation with Drive the Lane and Inside TBT co-host, Joey Smoke Lane. So I think the first question that a lot of Buckeye fans have, Joey, is things were going so well um, for so long in this season, and then like two and a half weeks ago, the last four games of the regular season, we've seen them go on a four-game losing streak. Three of those four games have been by, like, four or five points against really good teams. Is it just, like, it was a bad run against really good teams, or is there something more fundamentally different that happened for Chris Holtman's team in the last two, two-and-a-half weeks of the regular season? Uh, You know, I think it's a little bit of both. I think majority of it is the fact that we played um, – like you said, four games against the number two team, the number four team, and the number five team in the country. And then the fourth game, oh, well, that was just at Michigan State. Yeah. Um, and then they beat Michigan over this past weekend. So they're obviously exactly still a really good team. So I think that's the majority of it is we played great teams. If you look at – it's not fair to look at a losing streak as a streak. Obviously, as a fan like or anyone, you have to you know look at it as we've lost four games. But if you look at it individually – None of the losses are super concerning, right? I guess uh, the only loss that you know I left feeling a little down on the team was against Iowa because sure. we had no chance ever in that game. Uh, but the other three, very—I mean, Michigan State and Illinois, especially—we had those games won. So, um, you know, yeah, I think it, again, it's a little bit of both. The other side of it, obviously, being. Um, they haven't played as well. I think against Michigan, they played really that, – that was the typical Ohio State team this year. Great on offense, not up to par as usual on defense. The other three games um, haven't quite been the offensive showing. Um, but on, the, on the, the other side of things, I did like how we played defense in the second half against Illinois. So if there's something yeah. so positive to take away, um, it's that. But – yeah, just getting back to, to totally answering your question, I think the majority of it is we played tough teams, and that's life in the Big Ten. That's <laughs> At the end of the year, they do it on purpose. They have the good teams playing the good teams. Um, and then the other smaller part of it is that, yeah, we we were the third most efficient offensive team in the nation. Uh, you know, it, it's we're, they're humans. These are kids at the end of the day. They haven't played up to the level of – the best of the best in terms of offense the past few games, and we've suffered a little bit because of it. Looking at how Chris Holtman's teams, which you know intimately having been a part of a few of them, the the defense was always the focus of that team, and the offense was not obviously you know secondary, but it, they were teams that were spurred on by 
their defense. This year, it's kind of flipped. And as you said, it was like the third or fourth most um, efficient offense in the country, according to Ken Palm. But the defense has kind of slid back. Can you put your finger on something that's different this year on the defensive end of the floor between the last three Chris Holtman teams? Is it just that like these guys are more offensive minded? So you see the increase in offense. And so there's obviously going to be a pool on the defense. Or is there something about the construction or the scheme or something that just makes this team um, a little bit different on the defensive end than the last three seasons under Holtman? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I think that the elements of of every great Holtman team are still directly in this team in terms of the toughness, um, the togetherness, yeah. diving on the floor for loose balls. All that in the DNA of a Chris Holtman team is still there. It's, I think it's a couple of things. Number one, like the Big Ten is really, really good. You know, like it's yeah. really good. There's no off night. Um, and even the off night this year, quote unquote, Nebraska – they shoot so many threes that they could have an unbelievable game and score 90 points. So um, I think that's a a portion of it. I think like you could talk about how, you know, individually defending wise, like it's not as great as in years past, you know, a guy like Justin Arns is not wired to guard uh, a wing on the best teams in the big 10. Dwayne Washington, similar story, even though he played really good defense on IO. um, I was pretty impressed with him. Yeah effort um, against Illinois but I think that's a little bit about it you know they're obviously undersized but that's never really been a huge issue in the past granted we've had guys like Caleb Wesson so I mean you're never undersized when you have him really Um, but it's interesting you know I think to answer the offensive side of it I think this is definitely talent wise the best offensive team um, that coach Holt has had you know like my junior year he had guys like – or we had guys like Cato, who obviously Big Ten Player of the Year. Cam Williams, who's one of the most offensively talented guys I've ever seen. Um, you know, a young Caleb Wesson. Like, those were talented guys. But there's a different level when you got Dwayne Washington, EJ Liddell. They're so deep. There's so many of them. I know, exactly. I mean, you go 1 through 11, Michi Johnson comes in and can give you six points. Zed Key can go 4 for 4 with, with four post-move layups. Seth Towns is – I mean – you guys have the public really has no clue, right? The casual yeah. fan has no clue, but that dude is incredible. I mean, he used to play open gym with us in the summers, and he's unbelievable. Uh, so, I mean, talent-wise, offensively, Holtman is definitely rolling with the punches of okay, like this is an offensive-minded team. I got to coach it this way. And, but, like I said at the beginning, he still has his fingerprints all over the the, the identity of the team because. You're still getting pulled if you don't dive on the floor for a loose ball or take a charge or anything like that. That is still ingrained in this team. Granted, they haven't had as much success on the defensive end. And with that construction, and like you said, the Big Ten is so good. Where do you think they sit as they head into the Big Ten tournament? Do they need to kind of use this tournament as a chance to get some things right for the NCAA tournament, or we've seen a lot of teams, not just Ohio State in the past, where they're like, they're one and done in the postseason uh, conference tournament, and then they go on runs in the NCAA tournament because they're rested. What do you see as being the best option here? Obviously, you never want to lose, but do you think they need to figure some things out in the tournament, or are they okay where they're at if they you know, they do one in queue and they're back you know, waiting for the NCAA tournament? They'll be all right. Uh it's tough. I, I mean, I mean, you lose four games in a row. I don't care how you're playing. Yeah. It, you know, it, it takes a toll on you, right? So, 
for their sake, for ours, for the fan base's sake, for everybody's sake, they need to win one game. Yeah. Uh, just to, just to, just to prove it to themselves again. Like, hey, like, oh yeah, we are one of the best teams in the country. Okay. Um, you know, we're gonna play Minnesota and Northwestern, both teams we should beat. Um, granted, we've lost to both teams yeah. this year, of course, because that's just how it works. <laughs> um, but in the grand scheme of things, the greatest part about being a member of the Big Ten is going into the tournament, you will be as battle-tested, if not more battle-tested, than any team in the country. And it showed um, for our team um, my senior year. Uh, I mean, we lost three games in a row going into the turn- going into the Big Ten tournament, very similar to, um, to these guys, except for we lost to some bad teams. Um, but then we got in that Big Ten tournament, and we were totally like, we have to win in order to make the tournament. We won that game, and we carried that momentum and beat Iowa State because Iowa State had no idea what Big Ten basketball was about, and we – yeah. We gave him a front row seat for that. Um, but I think that you ask anyone, obviously they want to win as many games in the, in the Big Ten tournament. I think they have a great chance based on the draw that we have to win the, the whole thing. So yeah, I, I think the three scenarios being you lose the first game, all right, fine, we regroup. We're going to be a two seed, maybe a three seed, and we'll be playing a team that maybe that's a get-right win. Obviously that's not how we should look at it, but we can use it as that. Um, we win one game, we win two games, we make, we, we win, but we fall short at the end. Okay, great. We have definitely have momentum going into the tournament or we win the whole dang thing. I mean, that's unbelievable. I don't, I don't think there's any problem with winning the whole tournament and not being as rested, quote unquote. Well, and I want to talk about about the big 10 tournament. That's a great, that's a really interesting thing because what's a little bit different about the NCAA tournament and might be an advantage for big 10 teams is like, it's all being done in Indianapolis or at least thereabouts, like does not having the extra travel, you know, from the big 10 tournament back to Columbus, back out to wherever your, your round of 64 game and round of 32 games are like, does that matter? Like, I mean, does the fact that this is all being played in, Indianapolis presumably maybe they're staying in the same hotel for the entire duration like does that mean like maybe playing a little bit later in the Big Ten tournament doesn't take as much out of you because you're just going back to the hotel rather than having to get on a bus or a plane and go somewhere else you know (laughs) it's funny honestly your guess is probably as good as mine yeah you know this is so unique but I do think um the the fact that number one like they could be in Indy from now until April like that that that's that's both good and bad obviously you get a little stir crazy but also the fact that there's no traveling I think that is good I really do think that's good um but trust me we were so excited to travel it didn't even matter where we were going you know um but I think also in terms of teams that would flourish in a in a in a situation like this I think they're high up there because these dudes really do love each other um that's obvious it goes beyond the fact that they all are – they're all so close as teammates. The coaches, like the coaches and the players are so close as well. So like they're going to be having a blast. They won't care that that they're cut off from the rest of society. You know, like it's the same thing with like the Miami Heat, right? Like they just embraced the bubble and yeah. they were like, we love being together. We want to be here for as long as possible. You know, everyone talks about <laughs> the Heat culture. Yeah which gets a little overblown, but Ohio state has a similar sort of culture. So uh, I think it's a, I think it's a positive. I think all the big 10 teams are going to fare well because of that, honestly. 
Yeah. Well, you mentioned the fact that Ohio State will open the Big Ten tournament on Thursday. They will be playing, and I, I don't know what they actually call these things. Like I guess it's the second round. They have a bye. Um, they'll be playing the winner of both Minnesota and Northwestern. As you mentioned, uh, Ohio State lost to both of those teams, but in fairness, they lost to Northwestern the day after Christmas and lost to Minnesota like the 3rd of January. So those were a long time ago, they beat Northwestern in mid-January as well. So, I mean, like, they did have a little bit of revenge there. So, not dismissing either of those teams because we know both of them are capable of beating Ohio State. But should Ohio State win that game, they then would go on to play um, Purdue. They only played uh, Purdue, or they played Purdue twice this season, lost in mid-December at Mackey by seven, and then lost to Purdue again by two um, at Value City in mid-January. Um, I'm interested about this this team because while we were all getting ready for the Ohio State-Illinois um, game uh, over the weekend, I watched a little bit more of Purdue-Indiana. And one of the things that kind of showed to me is something that you mentioned. Ohio State doesn't have um, a, a traditional center, and they haven't for a long time. Um, but Purdue runs out a couple guys who are pretty good um, and are pretty big, bigger than anybody on Ohio State's roster, whether it's in the Big Ten tournament or in the NCAA tournament, is that overblown, like the fact that Ohio State doesn't have a legit traditional center? Or is that something that they really are going to have to figure out when they're playing really quality elite big men? Or is it just something that fans get worried about because it's something that they actually know about basketball that they don't see on the floor? Yeah, no, it's so overblown. It's... uh. I mean, like college basketball, especially you look at the NBA, how many true centers are there in the NBA? It's Very a little bit few. different, yeah. but you know, it's, you don't have to win with a big guy down low. Granted, like I think, I, I think coach Holman would like to have an option like that. And Zed key is a, is a shell of that option, but yeah. um, I think it is overblown. I think people are a little more concerned than they should be. I, I mean, every, every team has a lineup that they go small and a lot of teams are more successful that way. And a lot of teams, you look at North Carolina, Kentucky teams that traditionally will play two bigs, like they're transitioning away from it. I think, I think the best way to, for me to phrase it is a guy like EJ Liddell creates way more of a matchup nightmare than whoever he's guarding. Yeah. Um, so I think EJ and Kyle both play three inches taller than they are. Um, and I think that that's something like, yeah, is it concerning? Sure, it could be. Um, but I have the utmost confidence in this coaching staff to make sure that it doesn't really make a huge difference in the game. Well, and you throw in, you said you mentioned EJ and Kyle, you throw in Zed Key um, and, you know, that's that's. 15 fouls to throw out a big and you can even throw you know Seth Towns is a wing but he's he's big too so you've got a lot of fouls to throw at those guys if you have to obviously you don't want EJ Liddell getting in foul trouble and even Kyle Young to a to a lesser degree but you've got bodies you can put on them I mean we even saw some some doubling in the post uh, against Illinois um, which actually kind of worked at the start of the of the second half where it actually kind of helped limit the Illini's uh, offense, which was near perfect in the first half. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a Holman staple. Um, since I've been there, we, if, 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 if the big is any good, honestly, on the block back to his basket, we're going to double him. We're going to take it away, especially because, I mean, Travion Williams is, is the exception, but 
a lot of these bigs are not great passers. Like Kofi is a, yeah. it's just a terror. He's so it's unbelievable. <laughs> I can't believe he doesn't get quadruple teamed. Um, but but he's he's incredible. I'm not taking anything away from him. But he he can't pass. I think he had one assist like all year last year or something crazy. So so yeah, I I think that that's a staple. Doubling is a, is great because um, obviously it uh, takes the ball out of his hands if they're not great passers. But a, a, a lot of teams aren't super successful out of the double teams. It's just a matter of getting to three-point shooters at that point, obviously, and not to get super technical. But No, please do. Yeah, I mean, like, that's something that I know for a fact that we're wor- that Ohio State's working on every single day in practice, the rotations, Closing out of double out. teams, um, when to go on the double, whether it's on the catch, on the bounce, on the, on the back down, whatever it is. They're going through all those scenarios, and it's not an accident that guys are just going, oh, well, let me just go double him. It's all in the game plan. So I think that's in in a lot of cases, not not all the time, but in a lot of cases, that's a very, very efficient option of playing small and doubling because it creates, like I just to get back to my original point, it keeps the idea of EJ Liddell getting Kofi on him is more of a problem than – EJ guarding Kofi with Kyle Young coming to double, right? So yeah. um, I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, seeing guys like Kofi or or Luca Garza try to guard EJ at the three-point line has been uh, – I mean, that's like taking candy from a baby all season. EJ's been Absolutely. been great from uh, from that perspective of stretching the floor. So I, I definitely – Definitely see what you're saying there. And you've said you think that this team, whether it's the the draw playing, um, you know, Minnesota Northwestern, then potentially Purdue, and then uh, assuming the number one seed Michigan wins out, I think Ohio State would love to have them uh, again in the semifinals. But if we push that forward into the NCAA tournament, obviously, who knows where the brackets fall and, and what kind of teams they match up against. But I wonder if you could, like, draw a, a an outline like a police sketch of what yeah. a team that Ohio State would really benefit from matching up against not necessarily in the first or second round but say they make it to the sweet 16 what's the type of team they're going to want to play and what's the type of team they're going to want to avoid if possible yeah um that's a great great question and something i have not thought <laughs> sorry much of, no no because i'm more concerned about trying to help, you know, trying to get them to win a game, you know, but, uh, yeah. Um, I think teams that they match up great against are any team from a different conference because team people don't get big 10 basketball. They just don't get it. I mean, like, especially this year, our non-conference, you know, beating Notre Dame, beating yeah. UCLA, you know, like it just proves that it's, a, it's just different in the big 10 and not to go back to the Iowa state story, but it's the best example those guys were the hottest team in the country. I mean, teams, people were picking them in the Final Four, even to win it. Like, they had just won the Big 12 championship, beat Kansas, yada, yada, yada. They were punched in the face so hard by us. They had no clue what to expect. And I think it, a lot of people don't quite understand it. Um, now, a team that would scare me a lot are obviously the teams that are the best of the country. Like, Baylor, it's freaking a nightmare, yeah. I think, just because their guards are so good on defense. Uh, and their bigs, they're, they mirror us like they, and, and they shoot the ball better, you know? So like they got four guys that shoot 40% from three, that just doesn't happen. So obviously they scare me, but I think the easy answer would be to say a team with a dominant big man, but I think just teams that shoot it really well from three are going to be a problem for us because 
we've relied all year on outscoring teams and playing solid defense, but not great defense. So unless unless we take that next step and become an elite defensive team, which is hard to do in a week, um, they, we showed signs of it against uh, against Illinois. Um, but the teams that shoot the three really, really well are scary because, you know, it's hard to win a game in the 80s. We've done it all year, but yeah. it's hard to do it. And the NCAA tournament is the perfect example of all it takes is a team to get hot, right? So if we're cold and they're hot, that's a problem. So yeah. um, I think that, that, that is the, that's definitely the answer for teams that scare me. Teams that don't scare me as much are these teams that maybe aren't battle-tested. You know, like the, the teams that maybe didn't get to play a ton of conference games because of COVID or, or non-conference games because of, because of COVID. Either way, uh, like we've, we've been tested. We've played against some of the best teams in the entire country. Yeah. Uh, and it's Big Ten basketball. Like I cannot emphasize that enough. It, people do not get it. They just, it, it just It just doesn't quite click until it's the second half of the game that, okay – these dudes are really pushing us around. We got to push back type of deal. So should be interesting. We'll see. It's so interesting because you mentioned the fact like a team that would scare you is a team that shoots the ball really well and presumably especially from three. But it's so like when I watch games and maybe it's just because I'm an Ohio State fan. It seems like everybody shoots the three well against Ohio State. But then when you look at the stats like Ohio State's three point defense is really good. Like they're holding their opponents to like 34 and a half percent. Like, I mean, it's a really pretty good three point uh, defense, but it just feels like everybody gets hot against Ohio state. It's been the story of my life. I, yeah, all four forever. years, yeah. all four years. I, I me and my dad still joke about it. We'll go to a game and it's not even, yeah, it could be the team getting hot, but it's also the guy who's three for 16 on the year who makes yes. three or one in the first half. Yeah. Jamari Wheeler, is the perfect example when we played Penn State. The guy hadn't had multiple threes in a game since the first game of the year when they played our Sisters of the Poor, you yeah. know? And, and against us, he makes three in a row in the first half and keeps them in the game. And we had just had uh, Robbie Hummel on, on, our, on my show, Drive the Lane, and I was texting him joking about how he loves Jamari Wheeler. Obviously, I don't like anyone from Penn State no. for a number of different reasons. Yes. But I was saying, like, Jamari Wheeler is going to get hot this game. He's like, dude. I mean, yeah, he might dive on the floor and tackle someone, but he's not going to get hot. And then sure enough. So, yeah, it's the story of my life has been we go into games that teams haven't they haven't had four threes in a game all year. And then and then these guys are going eight for 10 in the first half. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's like it's 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 shades of the idea that before an Ohio State team is playing someone. So let's say we'll use Iowa as an example. Either. Iowa will go on a four-game losing streak before they play Ohio State, and then they'll play us, so then that means they're due to win. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, you know, a Michigan State team will get hot out of nowhere, and then they'll beat us. Or we'll be playing Michigan, and they're undefeated, and we're like, all right, we get our chance at them. We're playing great. They're playing great. And then they'll lose to some random team right before they play us as a wake-up call, and they, they just beat the daylights out of us. Like, that happened my whole career. So it's like the same thing. It's the same thing. We never catch teams at the right time. It's crazy. But we will this year. I'll speak it into existence. We will this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I'll take I'll t- from your words to uh, Fred Taylor's ears. Um, yeah. It, 
Yeah, it just seems like I don't know what it is. It, it, one of our writers, Connor, always says like Ohio State has the knack of taking a guy who's like an afterthought on the opponent and letting him have a career game. And I don't know what it is about him, but it just seems like it happens all the time. But all the time. Yeah. So. All right. So you spoke into existence that they weren't going to let that kind of stuff happen uh, in this postseason. I know I'm putting you on the spot. The Big Ten tournament hasn't even started, but where do you think this team ends up in the NCAA tournament? Obviously, uh, the first two seasons of Holtman's uh, tenure, they uh, you guys lost in the, in the round of 32, didn't get a chance to play in the tournament last year, obviously. Is this team capable, especially if they get a, a number two, maybe a three seed, to get past that round of 32? Where do you think they end up come mid to late March? You know, it all the, I think a lot of it depends on the on the Big Ten tournament. If sure. they get some momentum, they are very scary. You, obviously, at the peak, this team is – they were in the discussion for being the best team in the country. I mean, yeah. three weeks ago. So they are capable of, of making it to the Final Four, Elite Eight, making a run at the championship. They are absolutely capable of it because they have outstanding upfront – front court players and outstanding guards and outstanding shooting. And that is how that's the recipe to win games. Um, now, if you want to get super technical and statistical, the team that wins the national championship every year is going to be a top 15 defensive and offensively rated efficiency wise team. And now do they fall into that category? They do not. Right. So um, do you bet on them to win the championship? Probably not, because like I said before, all all the teams fall into that category typically. But you get some momentum from the Big Ten tournament, and and they're a and, and this is so funny because this has been a term that has just been coined recently. It seems like, but they're a second weekend team. You know, that's what everybody yeah. says. Yeah, yeah. Make it to the second weekend. Um, I think that that's the barometer for a successful season. Honestly, if they don't get it to there, like I will be so sad, like really, really sad. <laughs> Um, you know, I, yeah. especially when the year started. So, um, or how it got to, I should say what it got to. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's my answer to that is second weekend or bust. That's, I mean, everything from there is gravy. Granted, I think that they have much more than second weekend in them, but second weekend or bust. Yeah. Well, and look, you said teams that are, top 15 in efficiency on both offense and defense. There's just not that many of them. Um, right. Like I'm just, I'm, I pulled up Ken Palm right now. There's only like, f if I'm doing a real quick look, I think there's yeah. four. There's only four. It's like Gonzaga, Michigan, Illinois, and Houston. Uh, a, a Houston, a team you know uh, really well from the tournament as well. But right. Ohio, but Ohio State's half of it. They got half of it. They got the offense. Yeah. So uh, you know anything can happen. And we've, like you said, we've seen them play really tough defense. They've we've seen them turn it on. It might not be for a full twenty minutes, let alone a full forty minutes. But they have the ability to do it when their backs against the wall. So we'll just have to wait and see if they can pull that out uh, for a full 40 minutes or even 40 plus minutes in the postseason. Yeah. And I think one, th one key, you know, even like really specific is, is Musa Jallo minutes. I think yeah. like Holtman leaned on him a lot last year or uh, I shouldn't say uh, my yeah. senior Two year, years ago. Yeah. The last year that he played um, because like he brings it every night and guards the best player on every team. Granted, he doesn't give you a ton on offense. No, it's, I mean, it's no no fool to realize that, but he's a great rebounder and he guards the other team's best player and you can count on him as a defensive stopper. And I think that goes a long, long way in March. So just be on the lookout for Holman to give Moose some 
some serious run in the Big Ten tournament and and some serious run in the NCAA tournament, as, especially if, if matchup-wise it applies. Like against Illinois, it's a, it's a tough matchup for him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, some of these other teams, like he's he fits in really well against like a Michigan State, Purdue, some of these other teams. So uh, I, I definitely think you'll be seeing a lot of Musa Jalil minutes. That's something J.J. Sullinger and, and I were talking about, actually, funny enough, how we need – we need some more moose in minutes, so be on the lookout yeah. for that. Yeah, I mean, and he's really been obviously he didn't play last year, but like in his first two seasons, he was a defensive stopper. Like him and and Andre could just kind of go out and guard just about anybody. And Absolutely. that's this is a team that doesn't really have that. Um, one because of graduation, one because of transfers, one because of you know injuries a little bit. But uh, seeing him back, being able to step into that role would be would be a nice boost for the postseason. But um, Joey, you mentioned drive the lane. Um, people can find that anywhere they get podcasts. Right, you also do the Inside TBT. Uh, podcast as well, which is something that Ohio State fans uh, always love. Where else can they find you uh, and connect with you on social media or anywhere else? Yeah, um, you can catch me on Twitter at JoeySmoke14. I literally always respond, it seems like, so feel free to... Can confirm. Yeah, can yeah. confirm that. Yep, yep. So feel free. We I just, I don't know when this is out, but tweet at me questions for, we're doing our pre-Big pre, uh, Ten tournament show coming up, so tweet at me any questions you guys have that you want me to answer however bizarre they are they'll probably get answered um but yeah you can find me at joey smoke 14 drive the lane podcast anywhere you can find podcasts um i mean if you want to check out my instagram it's, it's the joey lane but i haven't posted on there in a long time because i there's no pictures being taken anymore yeah. no 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 uh, haven't had a haircut in like eight years and stuff now so um but yeah I, i'm i'm you know i'm big on social media so i love it when people are reaching out yeah. Um, talking bucks with me. So, so feel free to interact with me or the drive the lane account. I'll even throw out my co-host Andrew Zolden. He yeah, loves it too. Great. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. Love, love the interactions. All right. Last question. Cause you said you're open for weird questions. You are, yeah. a, you are a Chicago guy. So uh -huh. I want to know what, like somebody who's maybe never been to Chicago, everyone talks about the pizza or the hot dogs or what's the one place you have to eat when people are allowed to travel again and you find yourself in Chicago? There's two answers and you said it. Yeah. I, I'm biased to both of these. Um, Lou Malnati's is my favorite pizza place by far, not even close. And I would even go as far as to say, get the thin crust. It's the best thin crust pizza I've wow. ever had. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and I'm a pepperoni sausage guy. Get, get the thin crust. It is I mean, it's just, yeah. it's per, it's just perfect. It really is. It's just perfect. Um, and then I think what you have to have to get is Portillo's. Um, yeah, I think there's something for everyone in the family there. You know, you, whether you want a hot dog, Italian beef, a cheeseburger, a salad, pasta, they got everything for you. And it's all so, so good. The only problem with that answer is that if you're staying downtown, it's, it's not easy to get to. Um, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily like you turn a corner there's a there's a portillo's so um yeah. whereas lumonati's you can pick They're it up everywhere. get delivered blah 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 whatever so those are my answers um from portillo's i i love the chopped salad i love the hot dog i love the chicken fingers i love the cheeseburger you can't go wrong and then lumonati's i would say thin crust it, it, just so you're not being crazy but their deep dish obviously is incredible too
Yeah, I, I spent my first year after I graduated from Ohio State working for the Big Ten and living in Chicago. So I have sampled both of those many, many times. So I uh, definitely support both of those choices. But Good. Joe, yeah, absolutely. Um, but Joey, thank you as always for joining us. Um, looking forward to some really good basketball over the next month. Absolutely. I would. I do not be surprised when Ohio State is holding up that Big Ten trophy. I got a weird feeling. They're so due. I love it. I love it. All right, man. We will uh, talk to you. Maybe we'll catch up uh, as the Big Ten tournament uh, and the NCAA tournament go on as well. Perfect. Love it. Always love coming on. Thanks for having me, and we will talk soon. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in conversation. Also, thanks, of course, as always, to Joey Lane for joining us. We will have links to his various personal and podcast Twitter accounts in the show notes and in the article version of this episode on the website. If you are finding this episode on said website, landgrantholyland.com, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are by far, for better or for worse, bringing you the most varied and unique perspectives in the entire Ohio State podcasting universe, so don't miss out. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon, and as always, go Bucks.